Hey everybody, this is Rafe Telsch, and this is episode 77 of Have Not Seen This, a weekly in-depth look at a much-beloved movie, selected specifically by our guest, that they're a little surprised when they find out people have not seen. Hope everyone's having a great week out there. Sorry for the delay in getting this episode out. As I explained in the Monday episode a couple of weeks ago, I was in the process of a move, and that ended up taking a hell of a lot more out of me than I expected. Um, You know, I I mentioned a few episodes ago about not having a ton of friends, and that comes into play when you're trying to move. So if there's a possession in my house, I have touched it in the last couple of weeks to make sure that it was ready to move and then moving and it's just been a long process. But we're not here to talk about that. I'll give an update on Monday with a regular episode. We're here to talk about Necessary Roughness, which I teased a couple of weeks ago as the next movie coming up. Uh, It's a football comedy from 1996 with Scott Bakula. I have to admit, even though I'm not a sports person, it's one of my guilty pleasures for many, many years, specifically because I do love Scott Bakula so much. And uh, it's brought to us this week by Joe McDonnell, who was previously on the podcast talking about Batman Returns. So he came on the show to talk about the second chapter in a series and then comes back to talk about a football comedy. Uh, But I I love talking with Joe and not just because he praises me at every chance he gets, but just because he's genuinely a good guy to chat movies with and have a lot of fun. We, we uh, have a nice Facebook conversation going on as well uh, when he's not on the show. So I hope you enjoy this week's episode with Joe McDonald. I'll be back on Monday with a regular update. But for now, let's go ahead and get into 1996's Necessary Roughness. You've been on before, talked about Batman. Um, but I, I have to ask, because of the movie you picked this time, are you a sports guy? I am a diehard sports guy. Uh, my oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. I Listen, I as much as I love Batman, uh, sports is about a thousand times higher. Uh, it's I've been following sports since before I could walk. So it is literally my longest obsession. Oh, wow. So uh, any sport in particular or just all around? I, mean, or? I grew up a diehard baseball fan you know, in the the late 80s and the 90s and stuff. Always watched football. Really, I will play any sport. So if you're like, hey, do you want to go play like high ally? I'd be like, yeah, I've never played it, but I'm all down for it. So it doesn't matter. So I'm I'm always ready to watch or partake in a sport. But yeah, just just sports in general. I love that high ally is somehow your go-to for an example there. <laughs> I, I just think it would be an interesting sport. And in all honesty, if you're going to die, why not just go like full bore? <laughs> Don't even think I know what high ally is. Uh, it's the world's fastest sport, by the way. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, see, I am not a sports person. Uh, just never have been. Uh, in fact, it surprised me when I got into, I think, my 20s. And, like, my dad would mention that he's watching, you know, the the World Series. And it'd be like, you never watch baseball. You know, like, the only sporting events, like, my family ever paid much attention to was the Super Bowl. And that was more about watching the commercials than watching the game. But I did find when I had cable that I would get into that weird that weird habit, which I suspect you've done as well, where you'll put on, you know, ESPN eight or whatever. And like whatever weird ass sport is playing is suddenly really interesting, like strongman competitions or, or whatever. My, my love of cable television started many years ago with with ESPN two, because late at night they would show 
um, like what we know now as American Ninja Warrior, they would actually show the Japanese version of people competing. And it was on at like one o'clock in the morning. So I got to know and like the world's strongest man competitions and like literally the ESPN eight stuff that you joke about. That's mm-hmm. what I used to watch all night. It's what I fell asleep to. It was that or like cds playing on repeat so yeah i was (laughs) just all the time and even as a not sports guy like i find that kind of stuff riveting especially like those strongman competitions or such so it it, to me like i've never had a team i mean that i i was into hockey for a little while i was a ducks fan but other than that i've never really had a team i've never really you know it's not something i sit down on sundays or saturday afternoons and watch a game that's just never been me so Mm -hmm. Which it has always kind of interested me because there is this whole genre of sports movies, and some of them I like and some of them I don't like. And uh, I think some of that is because I'm not a big sports guy. Like, I drew flack when I like, I don't like Field of Dreams. Like, to me, it's about a guy who has a dream and abandons his family to pursue it. And it's like, well, what's the point? And I, I couldn't get into the natural when I watched that. Like, these are iconic baseball movies that people love that I just I don't have a, enough love of the game to appreciate the movies, I guess. Baseball has always had a nostalgic hold on sports movies, especially like you said, Field of Dreams and The Natural are the two that people bring up. Of course, Pride of the Yankees years ago with Gary Cooper and things of that sort with Lou Gehrig. Field of Dreams was one of my favorite movies for a long time, especially sports movies. But the older I've gotten, I've noticed Field of Dreams really isn't a baseball movie. Field of Dreams is an interpersonal conflict with baseball as a secondary character. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's okay. And like, I argue with people, I'm like, listen, I'm as big of a sports fan as anybody. Like, it's not a true baseball movie. Now, The Natural is a baseball movie. Okay. You know, it, there's more action in it. There's things of that sort. There's a little bit of action, obviously, in, in Field of Dreams. But to me, it's always a secondary character at at most. Sometimes it's the third character. So in that regard, I totally get it. It makes sense as somebody who's not a sports fan that the only thing your family watched was the Super Bowl because that's really everybody's de facto answer. Because if you're like, I don't care about sports, it's like, well, you watched the Super Bowl, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> but other, nobody's tuning in to game three of the World Series <laughs> randomly on a Tuesday night if they're not a sports fan. Right. Right. And that's like, the, as I said, when my dad messaged me that one one year and it was like, you don't watch baseball. Why are you watching the World Series? <laughs> Nobody like, yeah, everybody watches the Super Bowl. Like that's that's not a sports thing. That's a that's a cultural thing, frankly. Um, yes. But, you know, how many people tune in to watch, as you said, game three of the World Series or, you know, the Stanley Cup or, or those kinds of things. Those, those aren't as culturally pervasive as like the, the World Super Bowl. Yeah, not even close. All right. So what is you, you said you'll you'll be in for ev- anything. Uh, you said baseball. What any other sports that just specifically are up your alley? I mean, football, the NFL, our podcast is about, we've really turned it into an NFL podcast. So I love talking about football, the Olympics, the Olympics are just finishing up right now. So I'm a, I'm a big summer Olympics person. I love it. I used to watch golf a lot, especially at the height of Tiger Woods, uh, hockey, <laughs> hockey. What? what, what what's Who that? watches golf? <laughs> it's fat. Listen. As somebody who's overweight and has bad knees, golf is my last bastion of hope of being <laughs> athletically gifted for the rest of my life. So <laughs> I, I really I really appreciate a nice golf swing. Like 
I now like baseball has kind of driven me away with the nothing but home runs and strikeouts. And I'm like, man, look at that guy with a three iron, just dropping it in the pot in the bucket. Like that's what I look at now. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. 10 well, years ago, I would have beat myself up for saying this just so you know, <laughs> bowling bowling's another fun one to watch. And it's fun to play. Oh, I love bowling. Yeah. See, I but me, I don't watching... consider bowling a sport. Like, eh, it's, it's, I, eh, no. I don't know. It's not. But to me, I want to, like, when I, when I, when I, And I'm direct kinda, those angry emails to... No. Okay, yes, I'm kind of a snob, sorry. Uh, no, when I watch a sport, though, it makes me want to go out and play it. That's also why I enjoy it. Like, when I see that, I'm like, man, I would love to go... Like, when I watch football movies or baseball movies or even a bowling movie or a hockey movie, I'm like, man, I just want to go out and take a stick and I want to swing at a puck or I want to go and I want to bowl a game. Like, that's part of why I enjoy sports movies, too, because I... I imagine myself like being able to do that right that, that that makes sense so you're so it's living vicariously through the films for you oh absolutely yeah okay absolutely that makes sense so not that this won't come up again later hint hint there's some foreshadowing but uh what are some of your favorite sports movies wow uh some of my favorite sports movies of course unnecessary roughness the football movie um Another great football movie is Little Giants about youth football, which could never be made now because it's about a bunch of kids playing tackle football. But it's an amazingly funny movie and and really actually heartwarming. Uh, it's fantastic. It has Ed O'Neill and Rick Moranis, which which kind of dates it <laughs> into the nineties, but it's it's fantastic. Um, some of my favorite sports movies, I would say, of course, like Major League is incredible. I love A League of Their Own, which was almost my pick. I think it's a very underrated and women aren't represented in sports enough. So that movie is a absolute classic. And I, and I have seen that one. I will say it, it's incredible. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, so I'm trying to like, not go too deep in meta here. All right. Let's, let's go the opposite side then. Since, since this is have not seen this, what sports movies have you not seen? <sighs> have I not seen um, a lot of the Disney ones? Okay. Uh, 42 with Jackie Robinson. And these are stories that I love. I'm just really wary of the whole Disney thing. So I've kind of stayed away from them. Glory Road. I've never seen. Boy, trying to think of like the biggest sports movies that I haven't seen. <laughs> There's really not a lot. Okay. <laughs> because uh, you know what I've never seen? I've actually, and I guess it, it's technically, it's not really a sports movie. Raging Bull. I've actually never seen. Yeah. With, with the, I mean, it's not what it is it's it's kind of like you were just describing it's personal drama with the boxing uh as a secondary character absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. okay well let's go ahead and get into your pick because man i don't know that you could get farther from batman than you did here you picked (laughs) 1991's necessary roughness written by rick natkin and david fuller directed by stan dragati starring scott bakula hector elizondo robert loggia Harley Jane Kozak, Larry Miller, and Sinbad. And how often do I get to say and Sinbad in a movie cast list? It should be more often, honestly. (laughs) Now Paul Blake is back to finish the season he started 16 years ago. I hope he gets younger as he gets closer. Whoa, a 40-year-old freshman? Yeah, maybe he knew Elvis. We're taught to respect our elders. Well, I'm not that elf. Trying to win with raw talent won't be easy. Again! Because this is as raw as it gets. Once more! Come on now! Ooh. That's better! 
will be the laughing stock of college football. Blow the whistle! Blow the whistle! What do you think we are now? It has to be your team. Hey, come on, you don't want to mess with us. We're nobodies. I want someone to be their leader, not to leave them behind. This Armadillo team is on a roll after last week's non-loss. Nobody thinks a team of wannabes led by a has-been, can make it through the season. Fall out, our fumble. You guys got a hell of a lot of energy left considering we lost by 40 points. Fumble Ruski. But the armadillos are taking it one game at a time. <laughs> That's what happened to wrestling, man. Women take over the sport, man. What we need to do is get crazy. We need to get wild. We need to little doggy, you about to get fixed. Necessary roughness. Yeah, so th- this is, I, I'm not a sports fan, as I said, mm-hmm. but I have enjoyed this movie for so many years. Like I found it because of Scott Bakula, because I was a huge Quantum Leap fan. Oh, me too. So when it was like, oh, he's going to be in a movie, great, fantastic. I'm on board. Like I don't think I saw this in the theater, but it was like as soon as it came out at the rental place, like that that was that was a pick for the week to to go watch. HBO for me. It was as soon as it hit HBO, it was, it was, yep, that was on, I think, every weekend for a while and multiple times a day. And I watched it. It right. was. <laughs> so, how do you describe this movie to someone who hasn't seen it? How do you sell someone to see this movie? Because it's not well reviewed. <laughs> it's not. And I, I, okay, I won't get into the well reviewed because I know you do that. So, I will, <laughs> uh, how would I describe this to somebody who has not seen it? The funny side of the dark side of football. Okay. <laughs> because, well, I say this because the story is based loosely off of Southern Methodist University, which got, which was called the death penalty, where they're not allowed to basically have any scholarship players. They they basically become a team that can't function anymore. So it's really bad. There's a lot of bad stuff that happened before the movie really starts. Right. And this is what happens if you put a comedic twist on it. Like, okay, instead of these guys going out there and getting killed, what if they, you know, there's character, a cast of characters and, you know, a, a feel good story here and a feel good story there and stuff. So the best version of a really bad situation, I guess, would be the best way I could describe it. Yeah, that's fair. In retrospect, I don't think I ever made the connection at the time. But, you know, this comes out in 1991. Major League had come out two years earlier. Mm -hmm. And I kind of feel like, and I can't find anything to corroborate this, but I kind of feel like this was the studio attempting to have the same hit just with a different sport. You know, because you've got this cast of quirky characters. You've got that in Major League. You've got that here. You've Mm -hmm. got the samurai defensive man you've got the the marine you've got the the, the twins you i mean the whole gimmick is that you've got a 34 year old college freshman you yes. know because they they bring him back and as you said you know this is this is based on a a, a real scandal that kind of happened where uh the school got in trouble for the way it was uh, recruiting and uh giving benefits to mm-hmm. 
college football players. And that's outlined at the beginning of this movie that that's the plot, that that's that this school cannot uh, was it was having issues with um, recruiting fraud, steroids, Paying payoffs, yep. grade manipulation, and that none of that's going to fly anymore. And so now they've got to build this team with just the people they have. They can't give scholarships. They can't they can't give any kind of financial reward. Uh, so they're going to play with just who they have. And immediately one of the coaches goes out to recruit this 34 year old guy who didn't go to college. And all I could think was, isn't that on the iffy side? Like, isn't that kind of exactly what you're getting in trouble for doing? (laughs) It is great. Like, the story itself, I watched it recently, which is really the reason when you messaged me about like, hey, you ready to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I was like, I want to do this movie. Right. Because I was thinking about that. But in the same retrospect, it's incredible. Because they, in a in a movie that's like you said, all the characters, all the cast of silliness and all this, it's really grounded in this deeply kind of sad story where this guy had the world at his fingertips. He was going to go play at Penn State, right. like in the mid '80s, at the height of their popularity. His dad dies, and he goes back and works the family farm or the late '70s, early '80s, and he never got his chance. Like he didn't. He didn't start and flame out. Like so many sports stories are, oh, this guy flamed out. You know, he had an injury. He had this. This guy just lost his dad and was like, I have to, I have an obligation and never got that chance. He didn't lose his chance. He never got it. So really, to me, the redemption story was so much better. And the way that they chose to go with that storyline makes it more interesting. But you are right. When you look at it and you're like all these recruiting violations, but it's funny because it's explained. He never stepped foot onto a college campus once. He yeah. doesn't have- <laughs> I mean, it's you're right. I mean, it's it is it feels iffy. It doesn't feel as iffy as what comes later when Scott Bakula's character recruits Sinbad, who is a professor at the college. I mean, assume, <laughs> presumably like an assistant professor or a professor's <laughs> aide. But like we, he he outlines, he's already got his bachelor's degree. He's halfway to his doctorate. He's at this university, and suddenly it's like, oh, you still had a semester of eligibility. Why don't you come play with us? And I'm like, that's iffy. That's that's even more iffy. <laughs> which is fantastic. Which is again, but it takes this kind of like really grounded moment with Bakula and like all movies of this time and especially sports movies or sports comedies gets that one thing where you're like okay i kind of believe it i kind of believe it and then you do that and you're like oh come on like that's <laughs> not that's not real that can't happen you know again like we talk about Bakula being 34 what was sinbad 29 30 yeah so he, he wasn't was... much younger <laughs> well and that was the thing when i was watching this today in preparation for this like you have the twins who are always fighting with each other mm-hmm. but when they take those helmets off those hairlines are pretty <laughs> far <old>. back <laughs> i'm like wait half of this team is bacula's age they're making yeah. a big deal out of a 34 four year old college freshman and yet half of the team feels like they're right there playing college freshmen so now now this movie is sponsored by aarp Right. <laughs> All right, let me get into the critical side of things, because there's a couple of things in these review uh, snapshots that I've got that, that are points that I wanted to bring up. As I said, it, it's not well reviewed. It sits at 33 percent at Rotten Tomatoes. Now, again, I love this movie. Like, I've enjoyed this movie for many, many years. I was glad when you picked it. But 33 percent at Rotten Tomatoes, 45 uh, percent at Metacritic. The negative review comes from John Hartle of the Seattle Times, and he writes, This sports comedy starts out as a rowdy delight in the tradition of Slapshot, but it loses its sense of the outrageous and quickly turns ho-hum. 
For every sharp one-liner about a pampered college football team that's, quote, so corrupt it could use its yearbook photos as mugshots, there's a brain-numbing plot development that's straight out of a desperate sitcom. And then he goes on later to write, Unfortunately, director Stan Dragotti keeps too much of the film on this cartoonish level, and the script is virtually a list of contrivances, an apparent heart attack, a trumped-up falling out between Bakula and Elizondo, and missed opportunities. So, thoughts on that before we go to the positive review? I think that there's a little bit of truth in there, but, I mean, yeah, but this was also the way sports comedies were going. Again, this, right. this movie is basically formulaic after Major League. You can make the same arguments there. The spring training montage in Major League is the kind of getting the team together in um, in necessary roughness, and then it gets like kind of crazy. Well, this is what happens, but... I don't know. To, to me, I think that there's like really good comedy all throughout. Like you could say the contrived heart attack, but this is also a guy. If you listen, he was a football player. He was a peak player. He's a coach. And he was really concerned. Like this isn't a guy who was a pansy and decided to go to the hospital. Like he thought he was dying. And yeah, it's a, it's a contrivance to get the next guy in line to go for the comedy sake of it. But I didn't think it was over the top. He didn't collapse in front of the team. He didn't, right. you know, whatever. Like, I don't know. I, to me, I think that's somewhat fair, but I also think you're picking nits and this isn't the Godfather. Right. Well, and I think he he counters his own argument there with saying, you know, starting out in the rowdy delight of the, in the tradition of Slapshot, because as we just said, uh, it, it very much is following on the heels of Major League. I hadn't even thought about Slapshot coming, you know, way before that. Mm -hmm. But this is what sports comedy is. You know, yeah, and that, and that's exactly what you're saying. But that's that was my reaction. Was I just was focused on Major League because it was only two years before? But this is what mm -hmm. sports comedy is. Yeah, and and to me, I think the scene between Bakula and Elizondo when when he says the the contrived falling out, the coach wants it done a certain way. He feels that like, hey, I'm the quarterback. These guys need to follow me, so I'm gonna do what's best for them. And he has to kind of decide. He missed 16 years of right. growth around coaching, around all this stuff. Like you're not in high school. You're not the star quarterback anymore. You're a freshman and you need to listen to the coach. And I actually thought that scene watching it the other week was really good because he comes off the field, even though they missed the play. And he says, Hey, we're going to get him next time. And the coach is like, no, sit down. Like, I don't care if we lose, you're going to run it the way I want it run. Your job is to listen to me. And my job is to lead you. And, and, it was that moment that Bakula needed to get back into the – because to me at this point, if everything you see up to that, it was all about his arm talent. It, right. You know, when he throws the ball, you know, the fly patterns, and he puts the helmet in the guy's face mask and all that, it was never on the field leading the team. And the coach needed him to understand where his place was. But at the same time, I don't know that I fully agree with you because one of the, the issues I had watching it this time was he wants – uh, uh, Bakula's character to take leadership, ownership of the team. Mm -hmm. And there's a part of me that goes, well, that's what he was doing out there. You know, he, he had, he had done the running play. It wasn't mm -hmm. working. He had done the running play. It wasn't working. They call for the running play a third time. And he made a judgment call to say, that's not working. Let's do this play instead. And that's kind of what he got fussed at over. And yet the rest of the conversations he has with Hector Elizondo's character was, this needs to be your team. And it's the, to me, there was, it almost was an unspoken, this needs to be your team, but it needs to be done my way. Yes. And that's that's a hard information to give anybody. And I think that's why 
And and what you said is absolutely right. And that that is very fair pushback because again, it's the the brawl scene at the bar. It's everything right. after that. That's a great scene, by the way. That's a <laughs> classic scene. Yes. Um so <laughs> Larry Miller, we'll get to him, I hope. He's Oh he's, yes. Oh God, we've got to talk about uh, Larry Miller. I'm just trying to get to the positive review here in a second, but you, you brought up but, a great point. So but but it, it is it is, but I also think again, the quarterback coach connection needs to be together and it's the third play of the game. And you're already questioning the coach. Like there's a time and a place for that, but I'm not sure it's three plays into the first game. Okay. So that's my only pushback. That is, that's a very fair. I, I didn't think about it in that terms that yeah, you're right. It is only the third, the third play. Okay. On the positive side, I cannot believe this. This surprised the hell out of me on the positive side was Roger Ebert. Oh my God. <laughs> he gave this a positive review. Uh, he said, you can see this movie's plot unfolding a mile away. The ragbag collection of misfits will lose almost all of their games, but will they finally pull themselves together and win the big one? What do you think? And will there be a love affair between Bakula and his standoffish journalism professor? All of these events are written in the stars. The movie assembled an offbeat group of a supporting talent, including a lineman from Samoa who makes the refrigerator look like an ice chest. Not so successful as Larry Miller as the anti-sports dean. His scenes play on a different note than the rest of the movie and seemed shoehorned in. But Elizondo and Loggia, two veterans of many years of fine supporting work, seem to enjoy themselves playing the coaches. And as the armadillos creep towards great necessary roughness generates a genuine charm that's amazing i think like that's everything he said is right except the larry miller part i do think that some of it is a little forced but i also think this is a person who absolutely doesn't think athletics should belong in college and he acts that way right so i'm with the way he plays that and what he said about logie and elizondo is 100 percent. their back and forth like is Fant- the the first time when they meet on the field and he goes, this might be the biggest crowd we draw this year. Like right. so perfect. Like you would have thought those guys were best friends off uh, like outside of the film. But that's just it from that first scene, that long walk and talk conversation that they have. It, it immediately gives you that feeling. These guys have been friends and coworkers and, and colleagues for decades. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, that's fiction, but that's what it feels like watching them talk and banter and harass each other over stuff. That's, that's part of why, like I made the, co- the, the, the joke earlier that, you know, they're, they're told these are the rules as far as like no recruitment. And then Logia goes off and, and recruits Bacula's character. And my thing was, well, isn't this iffy? And isn't it weird that the defensive coach is the one to go recruit the quarterback? But at the same time, you already, by that point in the movie, have the feeling that the two of them know each other well enough that he knows that Elizondo's character is going to support him on it. Absolutely. And and there's a... <laughs> There's a great, there's a great, great part in, and when they're walking and it's the sarcasm of Logie and he goes, you're the big O and I'm the little D right. and, and just that there's a pecking order. But if you also remember when he talks about, yeah, you were out here about you know 15 years ago, recruiting me to Penn state to me, Logie's character fell on hard times because of Blake, not going to Penn state. He was, he was the guy assigned to get Paul Blake to come from Texas to Penn state. This was going to be the guy that was going to carry the the team into the future and when Blake backed out it had a detriment to Logia because he even says like to Hector Elizondo like what are you doing coaching high school football or whatever like he had a chance to continue this uh, presumably ascension and when Blake left or kind of left him in the lurch it fell apart and if he was a defensive guy it also makes a lot of sense because you're going to be the one who has to try and scout against him 
You know, my right. defense is going to get better by playing against you, so I'm going to recruit you. And also, defensive coordinators, a little bit more gruff. A kid from Texas, a little bit more gruff. It's not the same as going into other schools or other states, so maybe that's the connection they had. But, I mean, what you said is a great point. Well, and he had already had the joke in there when they with their original quarterback. He had already had the joke about uh, – uh, with a quarterback like this, we're going to be playing a lot of defense. A lot of defense, yeah. <laughs> Opke, show me the arm, and he makes the muscle. Yes, I love that. <laughs> Throw the ball. Throw the ball. <laughs> Throw the ball, genius. Yeah. <laughs> he sucks at two sports. <laughs> I... <laughs> I I have always both character actors. Uh, uh, I've just always been a fan of both Hector Elizondo and Robert Loggia. So to have both of them together in you know acting off of each other to me that's that's one of the movie's charms. Um, but let's talk about Larry Miller because I, I think he's phenomenal as the antagonist, as the as the dean who ha- has no interest in sports. But at the same time, I don't feel like his character has a real motivation throughout the movie for the way he acts, other than just he doesn't like sports. Now, it's interesting because uh, on the the Wikipedia summary of this, yes, I turned to Wikipedia, it does (laughs) describe him as uh, he wants the team to fail so he can scrap it due to corruption the football program has caused over the years and funnel the funding into his own pocket. Uh, that absolutely makes sense. I think if, but I don't remember seeing that in the film as far as like taking the money for himself. No, I think it's more of an idea, maybe a deleted scene or maybe in the original script treatment, there was something along those lines, maybe a scene where he's talking to somebody like once these guys are gone, then I'm going to, you know, succeed or, or something along those lines. Like you said, it's, it's, there's a missing scene in there somewhere that doesn't really explain that. Well, there's a there's a couple with him, and that's that's I I, I feel like kind of Ebert was on the right path with that criticism. Not that Larry Miller isn't great, because I think he's great. Uh, I I think his interactions with the rest of the cast, he is the guy who doesn't fit in. Uh, I I love you know the the even though he's coming to watch their football games fail, and when they they call him on coming to the practice, he has you know the the witty academic retort. Uh-huh. Um, but I feel like his character lacks motivation, which may, you're right. It may be a deleted scene. And then even in the conclusion of that character's story, mm-hmm. like I, I love the bit, he gets tackled and then they, they, they get up off of him and the president of the college says, Oh, you're fired. Yeah. But why, where was the, where, where what? Cause he, cause he's an asshole. You can't fire him for being an asshole. <laughs> if only, right. Right. <laughs> Okay. Hell, so, I probably would never have a job. <laughs> I'd be doing a lot more podcasts if I was <laughs> doing it. Um, okay. So, okay. I'm trying to digest everything you said here. You're absolutely right. Re- Ebert was down the right path. There's definitely a missing scene where he talks about it. Larry Miller's also the type of guy who had his girlfriend cheat on him with the quarterback, and he's always hated athletes. He is the dean, the dean, not the athletic director not anything else he is the dean of students so to him he could care less like athletes are jerks they're a bunch of idiot macho morons and they don't deserve to share the same building and degrees as me like he's just that type of person and larry miller comes off with that smugness yes he he comes off with that smugness when he talks to the um journalism teacher you know uh, every time you know the snooze uh what um what does she call the class? Uh, snooze the news. Right. You know, and he's kind of like, eh. Like, that's not a funny joke to him because athletes are, are garbage. Like, that's just his take on them. I will say, though, Larry Miller, 
has maybe one or two more scenes than he needs. But the scenes that he's necessary in are like, there's like three of them. It's when Bakula first shows up. Yes. And the interaction of those two and his kind of look. And like you said, the whole, the academic retort, the cigarette, you done with that? Oh yeah, thanks. And he throws the cigarette in there. He just, right. That look and everything. The second one is at the, the bar. It's when he shows up and he goes, I, w- I heard it on the scanner. Like this guy wants these guys so bad. He has a scanner at his house waiting for them to get in trouble. And he goes to the bar and there's the sheriff. And he goes, there ain't no brawl. And he goes, first, there isn't any brawl. Second, right. what do you, there ain't no brawl. Like he's just so, <laughs> he, he just so wants to catch these guys. And the third scene is after the tie in the, in the rain when he catches Bakula and the teacher kissing. Right. That whole, you know, I'm very disappointed. Like that just holier than thou. And even after that, he's trying to almost like get her because he's trying to fulfill this, this pain from years ago in a really comedic way. Right. Yeah. And, and I would almost go the opposite direction and say he needed more scenes to just to help flesh out his character. Because again, I just, I feel like the, like one of the the first not the first scene because the first time you see him is when he's with the, the coaches but mm-hmm. one of the, the the first scene he has with the journalism teacher you know the, the, there's two points to that scene with him and, and Harley Jane Kozak and the first is to establish football players think this course is a joke which is why they sign up for it but she had already had the first class like the previous scene was that first class where she addressed that point Yep. So it's like you're establishing something that's already been established. So like it's almost as if the scene is out of place. And then the second part of that scene is to get that creepy vibe of Miller kind of coming onto her. Mm-hmm. Um, and that then gets to play throughout more of the movie. But I almost feel like they didn't go far enough with it. Like, like when he came to to take the papers to regrade the papers, if there had been a little more lecherousness or something in that, mm-hmm. um, be- because that scene plays as in he's going to regrade the papers to make sure she didn't show any bias, and she says if you change one of those grades, I'll report you to the pre- president. President, and then the yeah. next time we see him, he's showing up with the regraded papers and he's fired, and it's like yeah, there was something missing in between yeah. those two. So I, I I needed more Larry Miller, not not less of him. Well, I guess I would say I would just maybe shift some of the stuff around. Like yeah. he didn't he didn't need to be there whenever the convicts came. Like he didn't need to enjoy that. Maybe take him out of the background of that scene. Except for he's like, the one who set that up. So that well, that to me that, the voicemail is the best part. You know, hey, I got a hold of another institute, another state institution and did it. Like the voicemail to me is enough because all it okay. is is him laughing and stuff. So right. he's okay, but I'm with you. If he wants to have a different scene, you know, the whole, you know, what did she say? Like, you know, you know, blow it out or shove up your ass, Phil. And he, he goes, he, she called me Phil. Right. <laughs> I love that. There, there is a scene that's necessary between that. And like you said, showing up to the stadium and maybe that's the scene where it's shown that he's talking to somebody like an assistant professor or something about like, when I'm done with these guys, this football program will be history. And you know, this, this, uh, this institution will be better off without them or something, you know, there's some just viciousness to it, like you said, and it doesn't even have to have, with a character who's in the movie, it could just be a secondary character, but right. but you're right. That, that scene in between makes a lot more sense. 
Yeah. He's just, he's such a, a brilliant actor when it comes to playing that kind of, I think you used the word snooty earlier, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that contempt for somebody else type role. I, and in this case, it's contempt for the entire football program. And he, he plays that part really well. I just wish the character had been better developed. Hello, future listeners. I'm Josh Evans. And I'm Brett Chisholm, and we're the hosts of The Content Clearinghouse. A weekly show where we profile a piece of world-class content. Movies, shows, video games, podcasts, and books. We deep dive into the themes, philosophies, behind the scenes, and histories with the express intent of selling you, the listener, on consuming the greatest content on Earth. Some are considered classics, others you may have never heard of. It's things like Ready Player One, SCP Foundation, Sapiens, Akita, Calvin and Hobbes, Edge of Tomorrow, Quartz Gazocked, Inside Out, The Lost Fleet, even the band OK Go. So whether it's revisiting an old favorite with a new set of eyes, or giving your old eyes a new favorite, the Content Clearinghouse curates only the best. So listen to the Content Clearinghouse wherever pods are casted. Someone I could have seen less of. Hey, this came out in 1991. Remember when Rob Schneider was trying to be a thing? Oh, boy. That was <laughs> SNL shtick at its worst. It, it was. <laughs> it, and then, like, him pouring the champagne on himself. Like, come on. I, I it's. You're right. It, it took the Bob Euchre and it said, okay, we need somebody who's younger, who's, you know, maybe less well known. You know, he's always oh, got a recognizable face. We're going to put him on there, let him do his thing. It, it's. <laughs> It's bad. It's really bad. What I find funny is nothing really dates this movie as far as like, oh, yes, this is an early 90s movie. It's just this is a football movie and it is a underdog football movie where they're trying to rise to the top and in the middle of it, then, oh, hey, there's Rob Schneider and he's doing his making copies joke. Yeah. Like that dates the movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes it does because even sinbad sinbad doesn't like sinbad comes into a point of the movie where if you don't know it's sinbad you're just like oh there's just this guy right like but people now know rob schneider from the grown-ups movies or things of that sort where you're almost like oh that guy like and you're like oh yeah he was a thing you know, <laughs> 20, you know 20 years ago 30 years ago now and it it's it really does date the movie. To me, I enjoyed it a little bit when I was younger, and now when I watch it, I really wish I could just mute his parts. <laughs> it's, not, it's not good. It's just not. Yeah. But the, this does have a great supporting cast. I mean, we we, we should should mention that. Um, Rob Schneider aside, uh, you know, a, a, we already kind of gushed on Elizondo and Lagia. Um, you know, Fred Thompson playing the president of the university. Uh, Jason Bateman in I mean, and, and like this places that in this this era where Jason Bateman was not a big name. Like he went from being a child actor who was very recognizable and and had. You know, he was on Silver Spoons and the, the Harpers uh, and then kind of just disappeared from the spotlight. And this is one of those few times that he stuck his head up and then suddenly he's back to being big with Arrested Development, the Ozarks and that kind of stuff. This was this was bef- this was after Teen Wolf 2 also, I believe. Right. Nobody remembers Teen Wolf 2. <laughs> I know, but people don't remember he was in it. So, like, it, it was one of those things I remember seeing, like, Teen Wolf 2. I'm like, this movie's terrible. And then seeing Necessary Roughness and being like, oh. That's the te- that's the bad Teen Wolf. That's the sucky Teen Wolf. <laughs> right. <laughs> I I to this day still have not seen Teen Wolf two. 
because when they announced it and it was like, but it's not with uh, uh, Michael J. Fox. It was like, well, then it's not with me. <laughs> yes. We've discussed this at the Batman at the Batman pod. Like, no, we like our certain Batmans. We like our certain Teen Wolves. It's the- And the funny thing is I like Bateman. I've always liked Bateman. Like, I remember when he was a child actor. I've grown up with his career. But yeah. no, Teen Wolf 2. But you know who this movie, this movie is responsible almost single-handedly for making me fall in love with Kathy Ireland. Uh, join the club. <laughs> and listen, for, for, for Texas football, for a 90s sports comedy movie, very forward thinking because she would have become the first female college football player a good, I think, six years before it actually happened in real life. Right. Like, this is a very, very good thought. And what I love about it is, yes, there are sexist, misogynistic comments made, but the way the movie frames it is, those are the assholes. You know, those the, yes. the teammates are making those jokes, and they are very quickly told by Manu, shut up. Yep. A- and then they end. And then the other team comes in, and they're the bad guys, and they make the comments. So it's always, it's like, the, the movie actually does this really interesting thing where, does it sexualize her? Yeah, a little bit. Especially at the beginning, but it also defends her, as you said. You 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 nailed it. It's very forward thinking. And also, there's a great scene whenever whenever she goes out and she does the practice field goals, and Matt is kind of like you know nervous and snaps the ball and all that. And she's like, "Hey, big guy, you know you're already on the team." And he kind of relaxes. And then afterwards, Bateman makes the comment about like, "Yeah, she gets better as you go up or whatever." And he yells, "Hey!" He tries to duck into the huddle of the players and the players stop him from doing it. There's a really fun, it's really, you have to notice it. It's almost like, no, no, no. You're, if he comes after you, you're going to have to pay for this. Right. Like you, we can do the cat calling, but you're going above and beyond it. You know, instead of the oohs and ahs, you're going above it. And, and I really thought the dynamic between Manu and her was great because you could obviously tell he was attracted to her, but it wasn't just in a, in, a, in the nature that obviously everybody else is, but like he's really interested in her and respects her. Hey, do you want to be my date? Hey, like they're dancing there. He's not trying to get her all liquored up. Like there's a real right. respect and admiration for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that's, the, I was looking for a different word, but yeah, that's just it. Is It, it is respect. It is admiration. And like, I, and that's a part of one of the things I just love about Manu's character to begin with. Like he's just a fun character. You know, my, his first interaction with, Scott Bakula's character and it's just mm-hmm. like you know uh you know any asking him you know can I get you this and can I get you that and can I and it has one of my <laughs> absolute favorite lines from this movie which is you know uh what what is with all of this and he said well where I come from we're taught to respect our elders and Blake goes well I, yeah well I'm not that eld and I've always loved that joke for some reason that line has always resonated with me but that character is so fun so it's it's great to see him his attract attraction to uh, um, Ireland's character, and and yet it being done in a very wholesome way. Absolutely, the shower scene, especially. Oh yeah, when, she, when she's like, "I'm I'm an armadillo, just like the rest of the guys," and he's like, "You are an armadillo, but not like the rest of the guys." And he stands there, and his arm goes against the wall, and it never moves. He never takes a peek. He never like it's it's like nobody's coming in here. You're not leaving. Like, and she trusts him. There's this right. instant trust that she has of him that like this is a good guy. Manu is one of those characters that is, I'm not sure that the character is written that good. I think the actor brings that out because there is not a scene that he's in, especially the final game, that is just (laughs) not amazing. He is so good. And if you watch the football games, 
whenever he has to like, I'm getting a little bit into the sports here, but when he comes out for a block, like that's a big guy, they're really playing football. Like he's moving. It's not just the, the funny or the respect or the, the stuff like that. It really is that this guy just to me left off the page compared to probably what was written there which I love in sports movies. There's always that one character that jumps off the, or should jump off the page. And to me, as great as Bakula is, and I love Bakula, it's Manu. Yeah, no, and that's, and that's, I mean, and he has, you know, I, I made the comment earlier about the, 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 I'm not that eld being my favorite joke. <laughs> the best shot in the movie is that final block. Yeah. Where he slams into a flat top. Flat top, yep. And, <laughs> And I, I, I almost am surprised that they showed as much restraint as they did in the way they present that shot. Because if you are paying attention, mm-hmm. he knocks the whole shield off of the guy's helmet and blood yeah. just starts pouring out of his mouth as he hits the ground. And it's done in slow motion, but that's like a corner of the screen as opposed to being like, like a contemporary filmmaker would probably have like cut to, oh, there's the helmet coming off yeah. and cut to there's his mouth, you know, like they, they would make it prominent. And I, I like, I just, I love that, that Manu gets his moment to shine. And I, I agree with you that that's the moment people think of with Manu. There's actually a moment right before that is when he goes up to him and Blake's been getting killed all game and they're finally coming back and they're down here and they're all beat up. And he says, Mr. Blake, and he goes, he won't touch you. And they smack hands and yep. you can see across his knuckles. They're bloody. Like this is a dude who has been through hell in this game. And the great part is again, and this is where it's a sports movie and it follows the sports movie tropes. That play is not a bang-bang play. Manu makes his block, and it's not high top that he goes after. If you look at that scene, high top is actually on the outside of the line and throws up um, uh, banks. You right. know, he says, you know, spit in his ear, tell him a joke, whatever you got to do, just get him off my ass. And, you know, he throws banks in the air, and he chases him. So Manu not only blocks his guy, and then Blake runs around. He then has to go backwards to make this block, which of course it's this, like you said, if this was Oliver Stone, I mean, we're going to see like teeth coming out and, 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 you know, everything, but it's so good. And, and again, there's not a bad scene that man was in. I cannot think of one scene in the movie where man was on screen where I'm like that. It's just not good. He's, he's perfect. Well, and he's, he's the reason for the bar brawl at the halfway point. Yes. I, I know, I know there was not a bar brawl, but let's pretend there was a bar brawl. There ain't no brawl. <laughs> there ain't no brawl. First of all, there isn't. Yeah. Um, isn't any brawl, <laughs> but it's, it's because they insulted him that yeah. Paul finally loses his temper. And then he even says, you, you had to go after my center center. He goes, well, we put a, yeah, put a tap in that fat, you know, yeah. Keg over there. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. My center. And then, oh, that whole, <laughs> That whole scene is great, too, because remember, Paul comes out of nowhere. He's not at the bar. Right. It's it's Jason Bateman's character. And, you know, they're kind of doing it. Of course, they, they're going to get humiliated and all this stuff. And then Paul picks him up after he gets shoved down. He goes, oh, Paul, you know, like this kind of conquering hero returns like the This was exactly what uh, Hector Elizondo was talking about, about being the leader of this team, you know, going out with the guys for drinks and and all this stuff. And here's a funny, too. You talked about how the movie about recruiting a 34-year-old quarterback and also a, a, a presumably a professor, an assistant professor. I'm pretty sure teams that are on probation 
are not allowed to drink probably or be, not or be at bars <laughs> and i'm not sure that everybody was over the age of 21 but again this is texas in 1991 so who really cares <laughs> The other supporting character that I want to mention is one who does not get a ton of screen time, but I, I, I this time through finally gained a real appreciation for his story arc, and that's Charlie Banks, played yes. by uh, Andrew Lauer. And Banks is like the, he's just in the background, like, and there's if you're not paying attention, there's a a you'll you'll miss it moment where Logia and Elizanda are talking and explain that he is the only holdover mm -hmm. from the former team he was the only one on the former team who didn't get expelled he was not involved in any corruption he just wants to play he's the one that that uh, paul nails with the football yes. when he first shows off his arm and but he gets the winning play he's the hero it's it, it's fantastic you're right it is even more so than paul blake coming all these years later to be the quarterback it was his determination because you know elizondo was like I like that kid. He's got guts and Logia is just like, you know, that guy sucks. <laughs> like, right. he, he's not on my defense. <laughs> you're not, I'm not doing him. It, it's you're right because there's so many storylines and really the sideline shots of this movie are great too, because you get to see people like Popkey and Banks it's throughout the movie interact and the way they're sending signals in and the way that, you know, at the end they're helping the injured players off and stuff like that. And they go in, like it really is a movie that the background of it at times is good. And that includes mm -hmm. the characters. Like you said, the whole cast is amazing. Like, I'm not sure that I would recast anybody. No, they're all like the twins. I don't know who the twins are. I don't have to know who the twins are. They're the twins. Like they don't have to be famous. They're just those right. guys. They're two brothers who fight all the time. Like, okay, cool. Like it, it's so good. And you're right. The Banks character in the story arc, especially the 99 jersey, and that's the one, if you remember the very beginning of the movie, Paul throwing to that dummy out in the field, right. it was wearing the tattered 99 jersey, which is, you know, foreshadowing, obviously, if you if you watch it, but it's really great. And and just the Banks gets that catch is so perfect. And it doesn't have to be this, like, great, amazing catch. He's literally wide open in the end zone and just gets nailed in the chest. right. It's not this like, oh, he dives over three people. And right. Nope. <laughs> but it's but it's that it's him out of yeah. all the characters. It could have been Edison. It could have been Featherstone. It could have been anybody. No, it gets to be the one guy who was a remnant from the old team. The last play of the last game of the season, the, the, the play that makes the difference between winning and losing. And he gets to be the one to catch the ball like that's just there's there's almost an emotional side to that. There, there's a there's a great quote. It's it's called glory is not for the weak. And the one thing that he shows throughout the whole movie is that he wasn't weak. Right. Is he, he might not be the strongest, but he wasn't going to quit. And like, he just kept working and stuck with the team and he was rewarded in the end. And it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I like that quote. So they win in the end. And this is uh, when I, when I had my old podcast, this was a trope that my co-host pointed out when we would talk about sports movies about, Oh, I bet they win at the end. Does it, bother you that that is just how sports movies go that whatever team we're following most of the time there's been a few movies that step out of that formula but for the most part they're going to win at the end i i think i'm okay with it depending on how they got there and i guess that's that's the thing like we all want to <laughs> it sounds dumb and we go back to the superhero thing we want to see our heroes suffer before they finally you know 
get the glory. Like Batman has to have trauma to become Batman and to make a difference. Like we have to see the team get beat up and lose and go through adversity before they win. We just don't want it handed to them. And the thing that I like is in that last game, Again, the whole other thing aside, you know, they lose all the games, they tie, you know, against Kansas, and then they're trying to, you know, they go for the two-pointer here, is that last game is, it's hell. They don't Mm -hmm. have their coach. They give up an opening kickoff. Blake can't take a snap without getting killed. I mean, they are literally getting beaten in every possible way, and... Like, at the end, again, they don't win on, like, some crazy – I mean, that's a trick play, but, like, some crazy trick play, some amazing – like, Banks makes that play because he's wide open in the end zone. Blake makes that play because he's athletic enough to get around. It's not this superhuman feat. It's just overcoming adversity. So, like, I'm okay with that. Uh, I actually think the best sports movie ending is A Field of Dreams because – the ball gets knocked out. You expect Dottie, the best player in the league, to hold on to that ball and tag her sister out. And Kit wants it more. To me, that's what I love about sports movies. It's about wanting it more sometimes. It's it's overcoming your physical limitations or even your intellectual or emotional limitations and doing it. Like, Blake is a 34-year-old guy. He's beat up. He's worked on a farm his whole life. Like, even though he's fresh, he's He's like, he's old. He's beaten up and he's taking a season's worth of damage. And this guy is bleeding and, and busted and everything. And he has every reason to give up and he doesn't. And that's the whole team. Man who's tired. Yeah. All those guys are exhausted and tired. And like, it, it's just, I love seeing that. And, and you're right. It, to me, it all depends on how you enjoy the movie. I love the end of major league when he slides and the music and everything like it hits me. I get emotional. Like it's good. <laughs> it doesn't work for every movie. Right. It just doesn't. You're right. It is a trope. Well, and I think one of the ways that this movie kind of undermines some of those tropes is the locker room speech. You know, that, that all of these football movies have that iconic, you know, halftime locker room speech where the coach, you know, and, and you, you probably could name four or five off the top of your head. I'm not even a sports fan and I could name two or three. Um, and it's a disaster in this movie. Luggy's <laughs> halftime speech is terrible. It's him. It's him having a, a an identity crisis all of a sudden, realizing because the advice that he was given was uh, just be yourself. And what does he do? He shows up to the game in a suit, which he's never worn before, and he tries to be uh, um, uh, 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 Ed. You know, he tries to be Gennaro. Him pulling the pants up is underrated comedy. It's him <laughs> messing with the belt and pulling the pants up, and messing with the belt and pulling the pants up, and you see the it coming up over the socks. Right. I will say this: people talk about. Um, the speech by Al Pacino in any given Sunday. That's one of the ones that came immediately to mind. Yes. I'm going to tell you this. If I'm ever in a situation where I need to feel that I need to overcome something, I want the speech from necessary roughness. (laughs) That's the speech. I don't want the, the five inches in front of your face or whatever. No, I want Robert Logia to show up to my place of business or wherever I'm at and absolutely give me that speech about how Ed Gennaro was a 5'8 fullback and he was a goddamn rampaging wild beast. And, you know, and right. we're going to rip off their heads and shit down their throats. And he says, let us pray. Like that speech is amazing. But the but the flip side of it is the it's amazingly bad though it is not motivational it's just uh, but but I love Scott Bakula's little moment there about I know you all are hurting but I promise you this you make it across you make it to the end and you won't feel a thing 
It's great. And, and it's, and, but it's true. It is. Keanu Reeves kind of rips off that speech later in the replacements, you know, like kind of, you know, chicks dig scars, pain heals, you know, all this, but like there is a little bit of ripping off of, of from this because what you said is absolutely right. And it doesn't matter if it's a sports movie. Or when you go through this, when you go through hell, when you finally get to the place you are, whether it's Rafe's movie podcast gets picked up by Turner Media <laughs> or whatever, you get there, you don't think of the bad. You don't think of the bad episodes. You don't think of the the money loss. You don't think of this that you just everything at that moment just goes away and you just feel it. And and you're right. It's short. It's sweet. It's to the point. It didn't have to be where, <laughs> where his is where, you know, Robert Logie is, is maybe 15 seconds too long <laughs> and a little, <laughs> a little personal. And I, I personally think it's great and motivating. I, I should play that speech in my ear every day before work. I'd probably be more productive. Uh, <laughs> but Baculus, like you said, you're, you're talking to these and the great underrated part of it is, is they're playing both ways. These right. guys have been on the field the whole game. He's not talking to somebody who hasn't been out here trying to stop the other team. He's talking to the linemen and the linebackers and the defensive backs who tried to tackle these guys all game. He's talking to the wide receivers and the tackles and the running backs who have gotten the shit kicked out of them. And he's like, listen, I, I know you're tired. I know you're hurt, but we get there and everything goes away. And it's, Oh, it's so good. And Bakula was perfect. Like you said, I was a huge Quantum Leap fan. My mom watched it all the time. I loved it. When he was – I can't think of anybody. And he looks believable. I know yeah. you're not a sports fan. There's a little trick that they do in sports movies where they show close-ups of somebody throwing the ball, and then they cut to, like, an actor throwing. Right. They show his whole motion. Like, he moves around. He throws the ball. Now, yeah, I was watching that on today that, like, a lot of those throws are actually the actor – doing the like and i was taking like i, I it's got to be hard for the actor who played uh, um featherstone to miss that many times as yeah. well like th there's some athletic skill being shown in this movie it it really is and it was kind of the it, it was the beginning of the end because we saw it in major league too uh again a league of their own they did their own hitting and fielding major league a lot of that was they were in the field they were hitting they went to baseball camp movies have gotten away from that because now right. you can ask just who's the best person okay we'll cut around it and stuff like that or cg but, it or c or c absolutely or cgi it which is just terrible there's a whole sports movie ran i won't go on but it, it <laughs> i'm really upset with sports movies nowadays there's not good stories well, actually, let me say that there's great intellectual property. There are people who don't want to invest in real good stories and and cast people. That's I'll, that's my mini rant. Okay. But you're right. Like when they have to go out and catch the ball, when they have to do that stuff, like that's really. And I can't think of his name. The guy who plays Featherstone actually is Dwayne Davis. Dwayne, thank you. Dwayne Davis is actually a sports movie icon because then he plays the linebacker in um, the program and then plays the aging hitter in little big league for the Minnesota twins. So he's played in a matter of like three or four years. He's playing a lot of sports movies, but like you said, that's him running down the field. Now, right. is he a world-class hurdler or whatever? No, but he still looks damn believable. Right. <laughs> right. All right. Uh, what else do you want to talk about uh, with this movie that we haven't gotten to before we move to the uh, end game here? Okay. I, I want to ask you this. There's two questions I have. One is about the bar brawl. Okay. Because, okay, we know, obviously, that it happens. There's right. evidence that it happens. They're all beat up and all that stuff. You're telling me that not one person, because not everybody in that in that bar was affiliated with either football team. Right. You're telling me one person, one person in that bar doesn't, like, you know, 
go to somebody else and say, hey, listen, this, this was bad. <laughs> like the sheriff has that much power to say like, hey, everybody shut your damn mouth. <laughs> well, I, I, I believe that because this is football in Texas. That's a good point. And the point that is made is that if Texas State gets in trouble for it, mm-hmm. then so does the other team. Yes. And the other team is the reason, basically, that the implication there is that's the reason people are keeping their mouths shut, it's because the undefeated other team is involved and they can't get in trouble. I just can't imagine every single person in Texas likes college football. Maybe I'm wrong. I've well, been- <laughs> and 1991, so pre-internet, you know. Yeah. That helps. <laughs> I have a question for you because you know so much more about movies than I do. I, I bow down to your knowledge. <laughs> who do you who do you put in there instead of Rob Schneider? Oh, geez. Because I I have I have a name, I, but I want to hear your suggestion. Um, honestly, well, it's college, so like Bob Costas doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I think you just you. I think you you go with somebody who's not as annoying. I mean, I know they were trying to cash in on a cultural fad because he was popular. I, I hated it at the time. I still hate it. Um, can, I, can I make a suggestion? Absolutely. It's David Spade. It's David Spade because he's going to play the character a little bit like he did in PCU. And then also like from the airlines, like the bye bye like that guy is reporting to the Dean. That's the character. Mm. that talks, That's the character that talks with Larry Miller's character where he is the, Listen, the See, other- I like that idea because that then adds some agency other than just, look, we got an SNL figure and it yeah. also helps build up the Dean character. I mean, that's a change in the script, but I like that idea. I don't like that David Spade character, but you're right. If if they build it that way, then that completely makes sense. Because the announcer retires or is fired or whatever because he was involved in the scandal. This guy is just in the student body. Oh, yeah, I'll do it. But he's the he's the snitch. He's so dismissive of the football team, you know, and all this stuff. And then he ends up being the go-between for Larry Miller and the sports program of like, yeah, you're involved, but, you know, watch these guys, see if you notice anything on the field. And then this is my plan. Like you said, there's a, a scene in there, but I kind of like that a little bit more. Yeah, I like that idea. That's that's a good idea. That's Thank brilliant. You. Thank you. All right, let's head into the uh, end credits here. Got a couple of games before we're done. First up, the algorithm says, uh, this is a list of movies that various algorithms say, because you like Necessary Roughness, you will also like these movies. So this is your quick responses. Do you like these movies? Do you not like these movies? Do you not see how they're connected? You're going to have problems finding how they're not connected. I'm going to tell you that right up front. <laughs> this is this is the pretty most clear-cut list I've ever done. But all right, are you ready? Absolutely, sir. All right, first up, The Replacements. Yes. I, this is a better movie, but The Replacements is The Replacements is a uh commercial version of this. Okay. A commercial version of a commercial studio film. I gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Major League. Uh, yeah. The the cover of Necessary Roughness was a take on the cover of Major League with the baseball. Right. If you look at the covers, yeah, so absolutely. Okay. Mr. Baseball. Yes. Great movie, by the way. Is it? That's one I have not seen. I will tell you this. Tom Selleck playing an aging baseball player. Very believable. And the Japanese stuff is great. Okay. I'll I'll, I'll check it out. Wildcats. Oh, great movie. Right? Great <laughs> Goldie Hawn, Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson, uh, what, Nipsey Russell? Like, it's uh-huh. a fantastic movie. 
fantastic movie. Very much in the same vein as this movie. Like to me, that's the perfect pairing with this movie is Wildcats. Yes. Okay. Friday Night Lights. I mean, Texas football, sure, but to me, they're different movies. Oh yeah. They're they're just they're not the same because it Friday Night Lights is a thousand times more drama than this. And I don't mean that in a bad way. It's just more it's more life or death. It's more everything. It's it's just yeah. It's one of the the few football movies I've seen that I really enjoyed. Like mm-hmm. I I enjoyed the focus is on the football team, so it makes sense that we never show these students in class. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. Yeah. Um. You know, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but they don't win. That's right. And because it, it's based on a true story, they end up right. winning next year, but they do lose that game. You're right. That's right. An, again another great one you said about always winning. That's another one where they don't win. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Leatherheads. I'm going to have to say that's one I haven't seen. I wasn't thinking. I love John Krasinski. I've heard it's a really good movie. I have not seen Leatherheads. Okay. Yeah, I have not seen it either. It's been on my list for a while, but I haven't watched it. Mine too. All right. Rudy. <sighs> Rudy Rudy's complicated for me. Again, as a young person, really enjoyed it. I watch it now and I'm like, eh, Rudy's kind of terrible. Rudy's kind of a bad guy. But yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, football players overcoming stuff, but go into that movie thinking that Rudy's the villain and you appreciate the movie so much more. I have I've still never seen Rudy to this day. Really? Yeah. Wow. I just how old are you? <laughs> old enough that I should have seen Rudy a while ago, oh but God. I'm not but I didn't grow up a sports person. So oh, no, but I'm 39 and I remember on TBS and TNT. Uh, like especially during football season it was always on I, i'm just stunned like you say kind of how you have espn on the background i'm stunned that like tnt was never on in the background and you just ended up watching rudy i just assumed everybody did i think i think part of it for me is also that i'm picky about movies in that i don't like coming into a movie in the middle like i want to yeah. watch it from beginning to end fair, so fair it's very easy for me when channel surfing to be like what is this oh that's an interesting movie i'll check it out sometime and then change the channel again <laughs> okay three more over the top Stallone, yep. arm wrestling. It's yep. all you need to know, baby. It keeps coming up on these lists, and I still have not seen it. I need to fix that. Listen, it was a movie that was done for money because he was obligated to. There is some some decent scenes in it. It's, yeah. I think it's because Robert Logie is in it, too. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. There you go. Uh, Dodgeball. Oh, fantastic movie. <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's a satirical sports movie, which I'm perfectly okay with. It It's pretty bad. When you look at it, really, Stiller saves it. But other than that, it's Vince Vaughn is not very good. Well, and that's that's why I made the ESPN eight comment at the yes, beginning the of the Ocho. show, <laughs> the Ocho. <laughs> uh, and last one, finally, not a sports movie, Men at Work. I, I, uh, <laughs> I mean, sure. I, I don't know. That's <laughs> I, I guess like some of the the humor. You could say, you know, some of the kind of maybe crass or I, I don't know. To me, that's probably last on the list if you're giving me, which is probably why it was last on your list. It's just, okay, sure. All right. Uh, last up, we have our pop quiz uh, for questions based on the movie. Uh, are you ready for this? Absolutely. All right. Uh, number one, at the time the film was made, there was no Texas State University. So the movie was filmed and borrowed the school colors of what other college? North Texas. Uh, yes, University of Northern Texas. I, my other choices in there included the uh, Southwest Texas State University, which uh, did eventually become Texas State University. 
And uh, Southern Methodist University, which, as you said, was, you know, the inspiration for this event because of the uh, scandal that was there. Uh, Number two, while the bulk of the visiting prison team were made up by cameos of professional football players, something we didn't talk about, uh, one non-football player also managed to sneak onto the team. Who was it? A, soccer great Pele. B, hockey legend Wayne Gretzky. C, heavyweight champion Evander Holyfield. Or D, professional wrestler Rowdy Piper. The Vander Holyfield, and he thinks he swallowed a finger. <laughs> he thinks he swallowed a finger. A little ironic, given you know his ear disappearing to another champion. A couple years later. <laughs> a couple years later, yeah. Uh, all right, number three. The Armadillo's first victory is a tie against Can- the Kansas Jayhawks, which is an odd coincidence considering which member of the cast attended the University of Kansas. A, Hector Elizondo. B, Scott Bakula. C, Jason Bateman. Or D, Kathy Ireland. Scott Bakula. Scott Bakula did attend the University of Kansas. And lastly, true or false, prior to Necessary Roughness, Scott Bakula also played a football player dealing with corruption in an episode of Quantum Leap. Oh, that's true. That is true. Uh, The episode was called All Americans, November 6th, 1962. It aired in January of 1990, so it came out a year before this movie did. Wow. (laughs) Wow. And he looks just as uh, run down uh, doing, you know, like running scenes in that as he does in this movie. He's a great tired runner. That scene where he's running the sprints, like yes. he's just, like, spitting up and stuff like that's exactly how all of us would look if we walked onto a football field right now. <laughs> I'm not trying to speak for the world, but that's me at least. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that would be me too. All right, man, where can people find you? What do you want to promote? Uh, really, I just want to promote the podcast that I'm on. We just recorded our 100th episode the other day, so that's Yay! incredible. Yeah, right? Uh, it's the Out of Bounds podcast, Out of Bounds with a Z. Uh, really, you can find us anywhere you find podcasts. Um, we've been really lucky to have a, a great support group. And just uh, if you like enjoying football and some ridiculousness and some silliness, then come check us out. Uh, we have a Facebook page and a Facebook group. And really, that's it. I just, again, just want to thank you, Rafe, because I'm ever since I did the first one, I'm like, man, as soon as he wants me back, I'm ready. I'm I'm just ready. Like, <laughs> I just want to call Rafe like once a week to talk about a movie. Like, it, <laughs> it, it's so, so, so much fun to come on here. It is a blast. And you are amazing at what you do. Well, thank you. I love having you on here. Um, I mean, I love talking Batman with you. But again, this this one, this one has been a favorite of mine for a long time. It's not a it's not a fantastic movie, but it's a, and we pointed out some of its flaws over our conversation here but it's still a lot of fun i enjoy it it was really nice to have a reason to sit down and revisit it so thank you and man come back on anytime sign me up i'm ready to do another one you ready (laughs) (laughs) so that does it for this week but you can keep the conversation going throughout the week on social media share your thoughts about necessary roughness or maybe tell me about a movie you'd like to come on the show and talk about you can find me at talon hess on twitter and letterbox that's t-a-l-n-h-e-s-s or the show at Have Not Seen This on Twitter on Facebook, where I have not seen this podcast, or email me at have not seen this at gmail.com. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, including next week's episode. This Indian scout told me a curious story. Winged Eagle. It's an old Indian myth from the north. Man eats the flesh of another. <laughs> he absorbs the other man's strength. This podcast is available through all major podcast sources. Positive ratings and reviews are always welcome, as is just sharing the podcast with a friend and spreading the love. Special thanks to Chris Talent for our wonderful theme song, and thanks to Joe McDonald for coming back on the show and providing this week's conversation. Until next week, I'm Rave Telsh, and this has been Have Not Seen This. Be kind to each other.